bigger picture, though, this is not good for Brett Kavanaugh, and it's not good for Republicans who are already facing an uphill battle with female voters and a lot of female candidates this year on the ballot who are running because of Donald Trump. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. It was a moment no one will soon forget that in many ways is about far more than politics. Emotional testimony from a Supreme Court nominee and the woman accusing him of assaulting her when they were teenagers. Now, Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly says he will not vote for Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. A lot of pressure on Senator Donnelly from both sides with his seat up for re-election and the midterms just weeks away. Donnelly announced Friday he would be voting no, citing the lack of an FBI probe on the allegations. Later in the day Friday, Senator Flake said he wants a one-week delay so the FBI can look into those claims. Will that change Senator Donnelly's position? We'll see. In a statement Friday, he said, I have deep reservations about Judge Kavanaugh's nomination, this lifetime position, and as I've stated, we've been unable to get all the information necessary regarding the nomination. If Kavanaugh comes before the full Senate for a vote, under these circumstances, I will oppose his nomination. Donnelly's opponent, Mike Braun, saying Donnelly's decision to oppose the president's highly qualified nominee is, in his words, a grave mistake, but proves he's more concerned with standing with his liberal Democrat leaders than standing for Hoosiers. Trevor Shirley has more. For the first time, Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh presenting dueling testimonies one after another, setting the stage for a senatorial showdown. During her testimony, Blasey Ford laid out in detail what she recalls happening during a party when she says Kavanaugh and a friend forced her into a bedroom and forcibly groped her. Ford says Kavanaugh covered her mouth, even fearing he might have accidentally suffocated her. Brett groped me and tried to take off my clothes. He had a hard time because he was very inebriated and because I was wearing a one-piece bathing suit underneath my clothing. I don't have all the answers, and I don't remember as much as I would like to. But the details that, about that night that bring me here today are the ones I will never forget. They have been seared into my memory and have haunted me episodically as an adult. I'm here today to tell the truth. I've never sexually assaulted anyone, not in high school, not in college, not ever. Sexual assault is horrific. This has destroyed my family and my good name. A good name built up through decades of very hard work and public service at the highest levels of the American government. If he doesn't get the votes or if he withdraws something he has said he wouldn't do, the entire nomination process would begin again. Reporting for In Focus, I'm Trevor Shirley. All right, Trevor, thanks. In his statement Thursday, Indiana Senator Todd Young said he was not persuaded by Dr. Ford's testimony and says he remains convinced that Kavanaugh is a man of integrity who will be an excellent addition to the court. After Thursday's hearing, I sat down with Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens and former state lawmaker Christina Hale. What was your biggest takeaway, uh, not just what this means, the optics of this Supreme Court nomination fight, but also uh, this moment in America and what we heard from both Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh in the midst of this Me Too movement. I know you also helped found the, the Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assault. What did this day mean? 
I think it was a very dark day for our country. Um, it was a dark day for victims of sex sexual assault who do not report, um, particularly here in Indiana. And I actually worked with several of my Republican colleagues to found the Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assault. Jerome Adams, now our uh, U.S. Surgeon, Surgeon General, Greg Zeller, this is an issue that everyone cares about, but I think many of us too wanted to see that adult in the room. There was so much emotion um, that was destructive that truly didn't change anyone's opinion about what happened, but I think we're much angrier at each other. There was a lot of emotion, there was a lot of anger. Uh, Tim, what was your takeaway of this day and what we saw? Uh, you mentioned earlier it was, it was perhaps as ugly uh, or uglier than the Robert Bork hearings, Clarence Thomas, it, it was quite a day. It was, and I agree with Christina. I think overall it was a bad day for our country. Uh, that's not taking anything away from Dr. Ford or for Judge Kavanaugh. I thought both of them were compelling, and uh, particularly in your opening statements. I was moved by both of them. But I think the process and how senators on both sides of the aisle handled themselves uh, hurt us as a country. And again, the day after that hearing, the big news here in Indiana involves Senator Donnelly's decision to vote no on Brett Kavanaugh. State House reporter Caitlin Lang is with our news gathering partners at the Indy Star. Caitlin, what, what's the reaction you're hearing so far to Donnelly's decision? Reaction is all over the board on Friday and in the following days on whether Donnelly made the right decision. Uh, from conservatives, obviously, they are very unhappy that he uh, is going to vote no, but. Democrats are thanking Donnelly for this decision. Uh, the Republican Party, too, has sort of indicated they will use this as a fundraising tactic. Braun's campaign himself tweeted out on Friday that if you want to show Donnelly that you don't approve of what he is going to do, then donate money to Braun's campaign. So, you know, it's it's kind of depends what party affiliation you have, whether you think Donnelly made the right choice, and it really could impact the Senate race here, regardless of how he had decided to vote, it would have impacted the Senate race here. No doubt. And of course, all the news Friday, Jeff Flake, the call for a one-week delay in an FBI probe. Uh, could that eventually perhaps put Donnelly back into the undecided column or put him in a place if there is an FBI probe where he is comfortable changing his mind and voting yes? Sure. In his statement, he even pointed out that one of the things he was uncomfortable with is there was no FBI investigation after these allegations were made public uh, and with Senator Flake calling for those it could change Donnelly's mind. I reached out to Donnelly on Friday and haven't heard back yet on if he could potentially change his mind but it, it'll be interesting to see if that is enough for him to change his vote. It puts him in a very peculiar position. Yeah, so many moving pieces here. Caitlin Lang in the Indy Star Newsroom, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up next, we'll talk more with our panel about what all of this means in the race for Senate, Mike Braun and Joe Donnelly. Plus, we'll talk with a, a former Republican Senate candidate and with the former senator who once held this very seat in the Senate, Richard Lugar, why he says he won't be making any endorsements this year. That's coming up next. A lot of raw emotion in Washington this week. That's the video of a woman, a sexual assault survivor, confronting Senator Jeff Flake after announcing his support for Brett Kavanaugh. And not long before, he then announced he'd actually like to see 
a one-week delay so that the FBI can investigate. That is where we are now. We're here right now with our panel in studio. Adam Wren is a contributing editor at Politico and author of the Importantville Political Newsletter. Former state lawmaker Christina Hale back with us as well, along with conservative radio host and blogger Abdul Hakim Shabazz and Jennifer Wagner, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. And Jennifer, I'll start with you. The hearings, the committee vote, Donnelly's decision. How do you view what we have seen this past week? This is an incredibly harrowing week. I mean, I think you saw it in that clip uh, with Senator Flake for, for survivors of sexual assault um, who had to go through their own assaults over and over again. There was a lot of anger this week, some of it coming from Brett Kavanaugh. But I actually think that when we, we finished up the week, we wound up um, setting partisanship aside and winding up where we needed to be, which is with Republicans agreeing to this FBI investigation that Democrats have been asking for all along. And that may have been a pivotal moment in that elevator right there. Flake's decision Friday could have certainly it turned is, It is very difficult to, let, let, let me put it this way, it's, a, it's, a, it's one thing to sort of talk about these issues in the abstract, but when you come face to face with actual survivors, actual human beings, actual people, it is an entirely different ball of wax. As somebody who in my lawyer universe at one time actually represented a couple of victims of sexual violence, it, it, you, you understand the pain and anguish that these folks go through and you, you kind of scratch your head sometimes people say, well, why did they report this after it happened? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? This is some pretty harrowing stuff that, that individuals and people uh, people have to go through, which is why, even though I consider myself conservative, I'm not going to you know, denigrate uh, you know, the, the doctor who testified because you know what these folks go through. Now, we can talk about, of course, you know, they said there's going to be the investigation. People are going to you know, do the talk, and that's the way it, it should be. And it would be nice sometimes if, if people remember that when these allegations come up, let's get all the facts first and then make a final decision. And we will be perhaps getting some facts from this FBI investigation, which will last no more than a week. But as we said at the beginning of the show, a lot of this does seem to go way beyond politics this week. It absolutely does. And I appreciate Jennifer and Abdul's comments. Now, sexual assault is being politicized. That is not good for victims anywhere. They're exactly right. And all this will do is continue to depress reporting that's needed. I mean, we can't forget, even here in Happy Wholesome, Indiana, we've had over 5,000 untested rape kits. And I think of people like Republican Senator Mike Kreider, who've stood up and said, no, we've got to change that and do better here. It's a very common problem. In Indiana, one in six girls, by the time they leave high school, have been raped or sexually assaulted. That's right here. Yeah. That's not uncommon. It happens, and it's, it shouldn't be uh, in a Senate committee hearing when yeah. this finally comes out. It's traumatic. Adam, what about what happens next here in the Senate? And obviously, News Friday about Senator Joe Donnelly as well. He said, I'm not going to vote for Kavanaugh because there was no FBI probe. Now there may be an FBI probe. Is there perhaps some wiggle room where he changes his mind and becomes undecided or a supporter of Kavanaugh's again? Is that a possibility? You know, after Donnelly's statement came out on Friday, I reached out to his chief of staff, Joe Elliott, and asked him, you know, was there a moment when Donnelly's calculus on this changed and he finally came to his no vote? And um, uh, Joel told me that uh, you know, for, for Donnelly, there was no magic moment in this. He viewed it as a job interview. He was gathering data throughout the process. And the lack of information around the FBI investigation um, really clarified for him that he couldn't go forward without having that access to that information. Okay. Um, I, I think it does you know, change the calculus if that FBI report comes back clean, you know, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to watch. The FBI possibly may be talking to Mark Judge. Uh, there are many different scenarios that this uh, this could now 
take. But obviously for the Indiana Senate race, Jennifer, uh, this, this was a pivotal moment. It definitely was, and I'm, I'm actually a little surprised to see Mike Braun come out and, and still unequivocally back Kavanaugh. Um, honestly, I think the best possible outcome here would be if the White House pulls this nomination and, you know, I'm saying this as a liberal, puts in uh, Amy Coney Barrett, you know, because you've got from a woman Indiana, from Indiana right. and you've got a Hoosier connection and you've got someone who, while we could have a lot of debate about her issue stances, uh, probably isn't going to run into problems like this. We don't really know yet how Donnelly's decision on Kavanaugh will impact the polls here in Indiana, but uh, earlier this week, we'll show you here, uh, the latest poll did have uh, Senator Donnelly slightly ahead of Mike Braun, three points. That's around where a lot of these polls have been uh, within the margin of error. What now? Um, it's interesting because there was actually a poll earlier, I want to say it was a Gravis poll, that actually looked at the Kavanaugh question at the time. Uh, it was like 52-40, and they asked John if he was done. He voted for Kavanaugh. He lost like 12 points. If he voted against him, he only lost like six. So there is a little bit of you know, data out there, how reliable it is, but at least it gives us some inkling. I think at the end of the day, this is the, the Kavanaugh appointment is more of a hardcore partisan issue. I mean, if you go out and ask regular people who is Kavanaugh, much less who is you know, Pelosi or Schumer, they think it's a law firm in downtown Indianapolis. Regular people, they kind of watch this, but they don't live and breathe and eat it. So it, would it make a difference? Maybe it's a hardcore partisans around the margins, yeah, but the general public, I don't think so. And this was a whirlwind day Friday. Donnelly made his announcement just hours before the Jeff Flake uh, announcement happened in the committee that changed the course of this thing potentially. Senator Donnelly, had he not said anything, he might have still been in the undecided camp. Who knows? He might be, but I think it also really galvanized his base. And I would say that this isn't um, so polarizing as it is galvanizing. I you were at an event Friday where... Uh, I, I was, yes. This, this was announced from yeah. the stage, actually. Um, it, Debbie Simon announced it to the room, and uh, it was a meeting of Democrat women leaders and standing ovation. I think many people in that for room... For Senator Donnelly. For Senator decision. Donnelly. They appreciated his position. What do you make of this, Adam, and, and where we are in the Senate race and what, what all this could mean? You know, for the last week, it's just been hard to see how Donnelly would ever get to a yes vote after laying down the predicate of wanting an FBI uh, investigation. Um, but now it's it's hard to tell. Um, you know, uh, the president's super uh, PAC has announced that they're going to be dropping $2 million in Indiana over the next uh, 40 days. So it'll be interesting to see how that money moves. Uh, Donnelly is, you know, has more, almost six times as much cash on hand as Braun right now. Um, I think that's going to play a factor, and I think we're going to see a lot of outside money over the last uh, month of the election. But let me, let me just throw something here real quick on all, the, all this outside money. And, and call, call me crazy if I am, which I probably am. How many millions of dollars have been spent, you know, Joe Donnelly, Mike Braun, outside groups, and it's still statistically tied? Right. It is still, and so it kind of makes you wonder, all these people spending all this money, you know, God love you in the radio and TV business because we like <laughs> you to spend money. But, but is it making yeah, a difference? Yeah, but is it really making a difference? I would say no because after all this money, all this right. energy, all this effort, it's still statistically tied. And I, let me add to that, too. In 2016, John, Greg, and I raised more money in Indiana than anyone ever had, $17 million, and it really didn't make a difference then either. I mean, sometimes it just becomes an unstoppable force. And what I think we're seeing now is we are just truly at odds. Advertising, does it matter? That's a question. Do endorsements matter? This past week, we caught up with the man who Donnelly replaced in the Senate, former Indiana Senator Richard Luger, who spoke about Kavanaugh and why He's not making an endorsement in this Senate race. He spoke with our Matt Smith. And knowing full well the implications of the midterm elections coming up, he declined to back either Democrat Joe Donnelly 
or Republican Mike Braun for the seat he held for more than three decades. Will you endorse anyone in the Senate race? No, I will not. Why not? Well, because I believe that um, at this point they deserve to uh, have their own campaign. I'm not a part of the campaign. I'm not a candidate. I'm not trying to enforce points of view. And I'm afraid it would be misinterpreted. But what Luger is doing is scoring lawmakers. Luger is president of the Luger Center in Washington and now releases an annual bipartisan index, a way to grade how well members of opposite parties work together, a somewhat novel concept in the 2018 world of Washington. And they are likewise putting it in their bios now if they have a good score because they think their voters are, are accepting and maybe happy about it. Luger, who once chaired the powerful Foreign Relations Committee, is critical of President Trump's approach on the world stage. He has met once with the president and Vice President Pence, offering assistance on negotiations with North Korea. Uh, some of this, of uh, course, is due to the president's uh, ideas of leaderships. Uh, he could be more helpful, certainly, in that respect. Luger was also a member of the Senate when Anita Hill testified and accused then-Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment. Today, he watches from afar the accusations against Brett Kavanaugh. I think the allegations are very serious. Uh, I believe everybody needs to be heard at this point. At the same time, we do need to get on the Supreme Court justice and justice. Kavanaugh has great uh, talents. The question will be what comes from this hearing, what we learn. Luger was in town to speak to the Indianapolis Rotary Club. The club, along with Gleaners, honored the Luger family for their years of service to the community in Indianapolis. In the newsroom, I'm Matt Smith. Back to you. Matt, thanks. Matt mentioned the uh, Luger Center and the Bipartisan Index, something that uh, Senator Donnelly has been at the top of in past years. What do you make of that? A surprise at all that, that Richard Luger's not weighing in on the race? Uh, not a big surprise, uh, but I, you know there was some speculation that Luger might come out and back Donnelly. Um, Luger has been vocal about the problems with the tone of politics in our nation in the Trump era. Um, he was here for a civility event uh, recently uh, with his old pal uh, Congressman Lee Hamilton right. to talk about that. Um, you know there are a lot of Luger Republicans um, when you go door to door and you talk with voters who. Uh, like Luger, voted Republican um, for him, and now they just don't feel part of the Republican Party. And I'll be watching how those voters uh, vote in November. Is there some element of this Kavanaugh thing to, to go back to the Supreme Court, though, this week? Some have suggested Luger Republicans, establishment Republicans, populist Republicans. It may have been sort of a unifying moment for the Republican Party as well in terms of the Supreme Court fight. You don't think so? I don't know. I mean, I, I talk to and work with a lot of Republicans, and, and many of them are still divided on this issue. I think, I, I think that Senator Luger is wise to stay out of this um, because he represents that part of the party that it's, it's the Luger Daniels Republicans, and they, they do seem pretty disaffected right now with their own party. They are very disaffected <laughs> by uh, their own party. I've spent, spent a lot of time in the Donut counties, the surrounding areas of, of Marin County, places where Mike Brown is going to easily, is going to need at least 60. 65% uh, of the vote. Uh, you have disaffected Republicans, those sort of moderate suburban women, and you've got Democrats showing up in places that they've never shown. There's a Democrat running for Hamilton County coroner. Okay. Ponder that. We gotta leave it there, <laughs> but we'll be back after this with uh, one of the candidates who actually lost that contentious Senate primary, Congressman Todd Rokita. We talk tariffs, the Supreme Court, and the race for Senate coming up next.
Congressman Todd Rokita weighing in on Twitter on this week's Kavanaugh hearings. Earlier in the week, our Matt Smith sat down with the former Senate candidate to talk about the race for Senate and his recent trip to China. What are Hoosiers saying about tariffs? Yeah, they're worried. Yeah, some are worried. Some are all, but many more are all behind President Trump. This is a great time to do it because our economy is doing so well. And the Chinese economy, it's like a paper dragon. What's the end result of this back and forth between the U.S. and China? We're going to win. We're going to win. I, I saw it with my own two eyes in China, and although that's anecdotal evidence, uh, it's clear to me that their uh, economy is contracting, ours is expanding, and now is the time to create fairness in the system. With the Supreme Court nomination, what are your thoughts on the process that the Senate Judiciary Committee has started to take in terms of these allegations? You know, I tell you, it's, um, this has the, uh, the opportunity to, to weaken our republic. You know, I, if I was in the Senate, what I would be saying is, we need to vote. Let's talk about Indiana post-primary. Have you, have you talked with Mike Braun? Have you campaigned for Mike Braun? Are conservatives across the state mobilized enough? We saw that AP article out last week, I believe, saying there's some concern among Republicans in terms of his energy to get actual conservative voters to the polls. Listen, I have, at every public opportunity, I have been out there, even though I lost the primary, uh, certainly I respect the voice of the people of this state, state I love people I love. And so I'm out there for my nominee, for our nominee, Mike Braun, uh, at every opportunity I'll continue to do so. Um, it, it all depends on who comes to the polls and who gets your folks to the polls. And so at this point, Mike Braun needs to be out morning, noon, and night rallying the people. Uh, and uh, I'm willing and able to help him. Congressman Rokita there with our Matt Smith. You can go online to see more of that interview on our website. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Winners and losers, Adam, you're up first. My winner is uh, Joe Donnelly's base, who got the vote they wanted on Kavanaugh, it seems. And then my loser is the Judicial Crisis Network, which has spent millions of dollars backing Kavanaugh in Indiana. Christina. Dr. Blasey Ford, for her poise and grace and testimony and inspiring for so many um, victims of sexual assault. Biggest loser, Indiana Democratic Party sent out thousands of absentee ballot applications with the wrong information on there, and they had to be called all back. And I named, my, I named myself the biggest loser because a few weeks ago, the last time I was on, I said Brett Kavanaugh was the winner, and obviously I was wrong. I'm really sorry. You're withdrawing that statement I withdraw now. My, right. I withdraw my nomination. All right. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Have a great weekend. All right. Podcast time. Back with more here with Adam Wren, Christina Hale, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, and Jennifer Wagner. And talking about where all of this is headed now with this FBI investigation. You're just looking at some of the information about what this actually means. It's like a supplemental right. background check. So Rachel Mitchell, the independent uh, attorney hired by the committee yesterday, walked Kavanaugh um, on Thursday up to the line of uh, this July 1st date on his calendar where he records an event that happened with PJ, uh, with Mark Judge, and matched um, Blasey Ford's description of the people. Potentially, there are some other people yeah. listed there. There's yeah. some guy named Squee and yeah, Squee. You know, some other and, stuff there. And right. right when she got up to the edge of that, she sort of backed off and another senator changed the subject. Um, there's a lot of um, thought that that could be a ostensibly a date when this occurred. It matches the time in Mark Judge's book when he was working at the Safeway where Blasey Ford um, you know, ran into him awkwardly as she talked about um, in her testimony. So, I mean, if you're the FBI, it seems like you really narrow in on that date and start to ask questions. And Dr. Ford had said if there were more 
information, she could maybe co corroborate yeah. and, and use she, that to right. corroborate and figure out an exact And date, she didn't but. have access to that book at the time, um, but that, that, the book by Mark Judge basically corroborates So that. Christina does an FBI probe of, of just perhaps up to a week long, not a long one. Uh, where does that take us in, in terms of, of this whole matter? Is that going to break new ground potentially? I think it what's might. Gonna, I think it, that's next. exactly what it might do because when we have proper investigators working a case, that's going to feel a lot different than just questioning. And something that came up on Friday, or so I guess it was Thursday, Thursday during the, yeah. the testimony was that um, Mr. Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, continued to say, well, this is the investigation, you know, and it wasn't. It was a questioning of a candidate, but it wasn't an inv investigation of all of the the personalities um, involved in the case, and that's that's the step that's going to be taken. I think a lot of people have questions: Why is why is Mark Judge hiding? Um, He's know. on a beach somewhere in Delaware, from what we understand. Look, all of this. But, is but, uh, but also, but this is also something to, to keep in mind too. And this is why people should be very careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Mark Judge is an individual from everything we were able to hear during this week's testimony with serious addiction and emotional issues. And remember, at the end of the day, there are only three people who technically should know what happened that day in that room. Dr. Ford, Judge Kavanaugh, Mark Judge. She says he did it. He says he didn't. Our third corroborated witness has serious, there are serious credibility questions about his ability to recall and his ability to function. You know, if, if we're going in a courtroom, I'm going to know everything about Mr. Judge because that goes to his witness credibility. What do you Remember, you know, and this is not to disparage anybody with emotional issues or alcoholism, but guess what? Memory sometimes tends not to be some of their their strong points. Well, let, let me ask this. How much of that character then transfers to his best friend, Brett Kavanaugh, and what they were likely doing together because he admits, I mean, he's written books about that kind of uh, party-style behavior during his high school years at Georgetown Prep. People talk about Dr. Ford's memory in, in this case. I've also heard it mentioned this week about Brett Kavanaugh's memory. If he was drinking, if he was drinking heavily, does he genuinely believe he doesn't do this, even if he really did yeah, do it, yeah. didn't remember it? No, I that's think not that's an excuse for it, but people have made that suggestion as a possible reason why he also came off as credible and defiant. Yeah, I think that's that's a possibility. But I mean, again, we'll see if they find Mark Judge. They roll up on that beach and, and drag him in. And, and gosh, I would love to be a fly on the wall for that interview. <laughs> Bigger picture, though, this is not good for Brett Kavanaugh, and it's not good for Republicans who are already facing an uphill battle with female voters and a lot of female candidates this year on the ballot who are running because of Donald Trump. Another week of talking about this is not going to be good in terms of the November outcomes. And I realize that's obviously not what we're focused on here, but it's kind of what the show is about. It's right around the corner. At the end of the day, this is about politics. Plain, yeah. this is about the politics, this is about abortion, this is about Roe versus Wade. At the end of the day, Democrats do not want Judge Kavanaugh on the bench because they believe he will be a deciding vote overturning Roe v. Wade. And a lot of Republicans want him on the bench because guess what? They think he's going to be a deciding vote overturning Roe v. Wade. All these other issues, as serious as they are, these are all ancillary. Abortion is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. This is why we are here and all this consternation is going on. See, I don't, I don't agree with that. I because, don't honestly, I was willing to hold my nose and say, all right, he's probably the best that you know, anybody's going to get. It's a conservative, off, off the list of conservative justices who were put forward. Um, you know, and, and Roe v. Wade is an issue, but it's one of many issues. But all of this that's come out in the last two weeks... 
I don't know how you don't scratch your head and go, ooh, is this the best we can do? Are we really putting on our A game here? Or is this guy a deeply flawed individual who has some serious skeletons in his closet that need to be addressed? I don't know. I, it's not just about Roe v. Wade, though. How surprised were you by Friday's events? First Joe Donnelly and then Jeff Flake and uh, that pivotal moment where he went into the committee hearing late and said he wanted to see an FBI probe and, and also that videotape of the, the two women, the sexual assault survivors who confronted him in the elevator um, more about their stories emerging in, in, in the press in what may have been a, a, a pretty powerful moment that, that may have weighed on Jeff Flake's mind as he made that decision to, to delay for a week. I'm sure it did, and that's why, too, when something like sexual assault becomes politicized in this way, when you're talking about real human victims, and often, you know, this is such a pervasive crime that you have many people that, if they've not experienced it themselves, they have a sister, they have others, and we've had some very high-profile Republicans um, in media and in elected leadership that have said, actually, this has happened to my daughter or wife, or, you know, so there is that human-to-human empathy that happens that they realize we may want a conservative judge but we also want a good human being if his nomination does happen to be withdrawn a lot of people have suggested uh, the president might go next to amy coney barrett who of course uh, is from indiana Um, but it would be interesting to see all of that process unfold amidst as you said abdul this political climate and the midterms and the race to get someone else confirmed uh, ahead of the midterms or in a lame duck Senate. We don't know what's going to happen with the Senate. There's a lot at play here. Yeah, it um, it calls back the time of, uh, of April and May of 2016 when there was shuffling here, kind of a Game of Thrones uh, with, you know, Governor Holcomb possibly running, Mike Pence getting involved in the Veep stakes. Um, so it's a really, there are a lot of moving pieces right now. It's fascinating to think about Amy Coney Barrett. She was kind of the favorite at the moment um, back in July. Um, Jim July. Banks wanted to see her on Yeah, her Jim Banks wanted to see her on there. Um, and Donnelly would have been put in a very awkward position, even more so mm-hmm. than with Kavanaugh. Uh, Coney Barrett. Um, Point well taken on that one. That's yeah. right. That's right. I mean, Coney Barrett as Catholic, whom Donnelly has already voted to confirm to a lower, right. a lower court. So... Um, but ideologically, she would have gotten him crossways with his base even more so, I think, than Kavanaugh. Yeah, and she still might. Here. Right. She, <laughs> she still <laughs> might. What I think we can expect is this rapid pace is, you know, of, of unfolding news is not going to slow down anytime soon. It's a, you know, we haven't even brought up the, the U.N., and that's just a couple of days it's a huge ago. Story. Yeah. Huge days story. Ago. What, what yeah. happened? Oh, the 81 minute like epic press conference. Like the president just rambling on for nearly an hour and a half. Mr. Del- Mr. Curd. Mr. Uh. Curd. It was just the weirdest thing I've ever and watched. And of course, a lot of talk about Kavanaugh in that press conference yeah. and uh, and his accusers. The as German well. delegation laughing at us. Yeah. Others laughing at the, our they president. They were laughing no, with him, not at. No, him Mr. President. They were laughing with each other at us. And about you. And yet the week in after that crazy press conference with the president saying on Friday how much he thought of Dr. Ford and her testimony uh, late Friday afternoon he told reporters that really it was very measured very in that measured cool a remarkable yeah. remarkable tone so you have uh, it both seemed like a spectrum. pivot didn't it? yeah it really well, yeah. did but he, he, he watches Fox News right that is what he watches and if he watched the commentator response after her testimony yeah. he basically saw a bunch of Republican commentators going oh, my dear God, that just happened, and that's terrible for us. So, you know, the guy takes his cues from, you know, the, the 
national network that we are, you know, affiliated with here locally. But that's how that happens. Um, not really affiliated. Sorry, well, we're affiliated with both Fox, Fox and right. well, CBS. Sorry, yeah. I was sure. back right. on that. The, the thing is, <laughs> I always tell you, in the Trump White House. If you want to get in front of the president, get on a Fox News show. Yeah. And preferably get on a late night Fox News show because you want to be either the audience of one. You either want to be the last thing he sees before he goes to bed or the first thing he sees when he wakes up in the morning. But even more than being a politician, even more than being the president, even more than being a business owner, at heart, Trump is a television producer. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Ford was a remarkable uh, performer. And that's what, what I think really stays with him. A lot of people, um, you know, have talked about this uh, hearing as being a, a really seminal moment in our country that, as we said earlier, really seemed to go way, way beyond politics. Um, how does that translate, I guess, at the at the ballot box this fall? Because uh, obviously you talked about enthusiasm among among women voters. Others have suggested that, look, Republicans, uh, Bush Republicans, Trump Republicans, kind of all came together pretty upset about the process. And to that to that end, is it also a unifying moment to some degree for Republicans. I think it's a unifying moment for the country in the sense that when grown men and women are going through a high school yearbook asking what is a devil's triangle oh. and what does FFFFF mean. I was like, you've got to be FFFF kidding me. Like, there this were some is, moments. Like, this, that, is what it is, this is what it has come to. I remember watching yeah. the Clarence Thomas hearings when I was in college and as a young intern reporter in Peoria, Illinois, and just the jaws dropped like, oh my God, I cannot believe we're talking about pubic hair and coke cans and pornographic films at a Senate hearing. Little did we know 27 years later that we'd be going through you know, the juvenile writings of high school students. So I, I did think it did. Or grab them by the. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I did think yeah. it did bring the country together in the sense like you've got to be blanking kidding me. But you know what also it teased out that we once again, you know, somebody like Chris Wallace, Fox News uh, reporter saying that Thursday for the first time his daughters told them about their high school days and um, some of the sexual assaults that happened to them. Something That's what that I'm talking to a about. Lot more people right. in this very than personal and it's extremely yeah. pervasive. Yeah. It touches every family. Yeah, and I think if if you know translating that back into politics, I think if you're a woman running on either side of the aisle, um, you now have a more instant connection with, with people who might be voting for you, especially with, with, with female voters, because, you know, and this is, I should say, this is an issue that happens to men as well. I think it's one in three women, one in six men. But this is an issue now that it, that was put in the public eye in a Senate hearing, which you know, obviously, yeah, basically 27 years ago, called and said, "Hold my beer," and you know, we're going right. to talk about even worse stuff. But I, it, I still like beer, by the way. I, I, that came up a couple times. Yeah, yeah. I like beer too. I'm going to go have one now. I still like beer, yeah, right. but I don't know how much I drank of it in 1982. Um, but I think this is, is is a moment for the year of the woman, and I think female candidates can can hopefully you know seize seize on this is the wrong phrase, but you know use this to, to to start having that conversation, which is a really important one to have. And that's a great point, Jen, too. And I just want to build on uh, what you said about it being the year of the woman. Okay, gentlemen, that's not just a theme. We didn't just decide it's the year of the woman. It is being generated by some very sincere feelings and energy out there. Women are galvanized. 
galvanized because they are feeling that there is so much at stake beyond Roe. You know, it's it's everything. It's on the job. Especially after this week. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, the Republican, you know, the old white dudes on the dais actually cut off their own prosecutor, who was a woman, to kind of take over the cross-examination, if you will, of Brett Kavanaugh. Like, what does that say? Like, we hired this woman because we knew we had a bit of a woman problem. And then we were like, oh, hang tight. We don't like the direction this is going. Rachel, go sit in the corner. And she Look. was at a moment where, in the testimony, where she was actually starting to maybe uh, back break, to that July 1st yeah. Yeah. break Kavanaugh's um, you know credibility and I think there were a few moments that really strained credulity in Kavanaugh's testimony really for any fair-minded person um, you know when he continuously said that it was legal for someone to drink um, at age 18 turned out not to be the case it's not the case the Associated Press fact-checked that um, you know the fact that he would not he said that he liked beer but never had a moment where he had trouble remembering even just a portion of the evening you know that strains kind of the common sense test I, I just don't think that's quite possible and when he was asking a U.S. senator, have you ever blacked out from drinking? You know, it just, yeah. I do believe he may have apologized for that comment. He, yeah, he did after okay. the break. He came back yeah. and okay. apologized, yeah. Yeah, there, there were several moments like that where he turned the questioning back on the questioner. And Amy Klobuchar, of all people, who had an alcoholic father, that was sort of a, a really difficult exchange to watch. It was. And, you know, I've heard several people today um, actually over the weekend say to me, you know, what if Dr. Blasey Ford had behaved the way that Brett Kavanaugh did? Mm. Um, how would her testimony have gone down? But we expect her to be nice and sincere and quiet and listening and responsive. Um, but not everyone was that way giving testimony, and it, it really puts a different spin yeah. on it. Um, Let's also talk real quick about Lindsey Graham. That was a moment that Whoa. seemed to uh, I was like, change wow. the direction. Whoa, yeah. of that, yeah. Wow, of that Lindsay, hearing. you grew up. Hair. Wow. Of ovaries. Had, had, you been, had you been like that, maybe during the presidential campaign, you might have won the presidency you know, and, and, and been the nominee. Uh, no, I was, I was in the car driving from uh, Bloomington back here to Indianapolis that, when you listened to the Lindsey Graham testimony. And I was, you know, and captivated as I was sitting stuck in construction traffic on 37, just like, wow, oh my. And he's continued to be out there holding press availabilities in the hallway. And holding yards. But, yeah. but, but Lindsey Graham does have a point. And this kind of goes, Christine, to your point about the weaponization of, of sexual assault on the broader scale. If, if the new standard is now what we've all done in high school, I mean, how do we get quality people to run for public office? Where do we, because now everything that you've possibly ever done, when you smack some guy on the, on the rear end, you know, in the shower, in gym class, you know, technically that could be considered a sexual assault. Are you now a sexual predator? I mean, where do we draw the line between honest to goodness criminal immoral behavior versus kids being stupid? I mean, and, and also I, part of, go ahead. I was going to say, I think one place that technology is going to play a role here, I work with teenagers all over the world and when I talk to them, I try to remind them that they are documenting their lives in ways that people our age have not yet and we don't know where that's going to go but I, I, I imagine sooner rather than later when you go to um, your employer to ask for a position they're going to run a credit check they're going to run a social media check many people do casually now sure. but this is going to be a booming business and I think the event may exist if it's been documented by you or your friend or maybe it doesn't exist if you can't find that 
image out there when it gets scoured. I mean, think of something just like facial recognition technology. You might not have even posted the photo on yourself, but you know the scrub comes through, and there you there you are um, doing something. But that's not me. That's my brother. Because that happens. Yeah. All, that actually, that happens all the that, time that, on Facebook. This is going yeah. to happen, <laughs> and I think you know that kind of evidence will come into play in the future. But we're in this gray area as as things evolve. Um, it's going to be difficult. I do bristle, though, at the whole, and it's usually boys will be boys, argument about, you know, oh, you know, high school and college, we can just give them a pass. And, and, and I, I have a nearly 11-year-old, 11 going on 23, apparently, in her mind, who, I mean, at what age do you tell kids, like, oh, that's okay if someone does this to you in high school, but, you know, when you get to the real world, it's totally unacceptable. Right. I mean, and, I mean and, and there's a difference between patting someone on the on the butt in the locker room and holding someone down and putting your hand over her mouth and, and trying and, to and wake I, her. And I agree, but once again, when we, when we now get to the universe of behavior that we all find in, you know, 21st century America morally offensive, you know, as well we should, however... Is, is now everything that everybody's done, well, you know, for example, Mr. Shabazz said I need to babysit the radio board. You know what? I'm a female. I find that offensive. How dare you use that sexist language? I mean, we, I mean, we got to the point now where so much is, where there's so much of a, you know, a pervasiveness of political correctness that I think real legitimate issues almost sort of get pushed aside because of just the attitude that we're in right now, that everything is now offensive regardless. But this is not political correctness, this is physical correctness, as in don't put your body or body parts on someone who doesn't want your body or body parts on them. That's, I, I, that's, I agree, that's but, 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 but you're right. But, but once again, though, is the uncorroborated accusation that somebody touched somebody inappropriately now enough for an individual to be condemned? I, and I don't know the answer to that. And That's we'll a good see question. If we get more answers, for sure, out of the FBI probe. Uh, final Maybe thoughts. the FBI should investigate the right? Curtis Hill matter. Oh, well, it's <laughs> uh, a whole other matter, right? Final thoughts on this week, Adam. I'll, I'll start with you. Well, we're less than 10 days out now from the first Indiana Senate debate. That's and right. uh, it, it'd be really interesting to, if Braun talks about his stance on arming teachers, to be with the parent of a Noblesville. Uh, you know, student or uh, you know the, the mother of dad, and see how they respond to that, um, and then I, I think that really could change the the the, uh, the tide of of uh, Hamilton County, which is an important voters. place in yeah. the Senate race, yeah. no doubt. Actually, that's I hadn't thought of the timing of yeah. all this, but you're right that this will come into play, and. And also, you know, Mike Braun is not that experienced a candidate. These debates are going to be new, uncharted territory for him in many ways. Um, Some major leagues. It's it high stakes. Debates too. which will also include libertarian candidate Lucy Brenton. Lucy who Brenton. I, I, know you, uh, I love Lucy. Right? <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Ten kids, <laughs> common law marriage, and all the crazy. But I guess and my, no vaccinations. Yeah, no vaccinations. I guess my final thought, though, is that we should all buckle up. This is only going to become more dra dramatic and um, a faster pace yeah. as, we, as we get closer to Election Day. Um, keep an eye on the early voting absentee numbers. Uh, like I mentioned uh, during the break, uh, in Hamilton County, there are as many requests for absentee voters today as there were all absentee votes cast in 2014. Uh, like I said, Democrats are literally, I will disagree with them philosophically, but I will give them credit where credit is due politically. They are running a ground game and running candidates like it is nobody's business. Like I mentioned jokingly, they have a coroner candidate running in Hamilton County. I was on the phone with a friend uh, down in Vandenberg County today saying that there are offices where Democrats are running, but they haven't seen Democrats run in 20, 30 years. Does that mean these folks are going to win? 
No, but if you're Joe Donnelly, this is the ground game you need right. to swell up to the top. And you can thank Donald Trump for that, most likely. <laughs> um, no, I just want to come back to, to something Christina said and, and with Chris Wallace and, and you know his daughters. I mean, if you know someone who's been affected by the issues that are being talked about right now in the press, like talk to them about it because this, there is a re-victimization uh, I mean, it's fatigue. It's an effect that happens, and and more people are affected by this, men and women alike, than than you know. And so, be kind yeah. and use your words. Right. Way to wrap it up right there, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next week.